Today's episode is brought to you by Pale Horse Media Co. Head on over to www.palehorsemedia.co for more of your favorite shows, books, and merch. I have two brand new releases for you over at Pale Horse Media Co. The first one, In His Name, My First Dive Into Fiction. It is just a fun, cool thriller if you're into that kind of sort of thing. And and we have the second expanded edition of the original, of the OG Safety Sucks, the bullshit and the safety profession they don't tell you about. I go through, I expand on some thoughts, add some bonus material, reflect on some of the chapters. So if either of those sound like things you should be interested in, again head over to www.palehorsemedia.co CO or find them on your Amazon marketplace. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of your support of the books of the podcast of the merch store of everything. It truly means the world to us. This, this, this show is brought to you by safety FM. The hop nerd podcast is brought to you by hop University. Head on over to hopuniversity.org. That's hopuniversity.org. We offer on-demand and in-person hop training, speaking engagements, one-on-one coaching for safety professionals, and consultation to organizations for all things safety better. Again, head over to hopuniversity.org. O-R-G. Today's episode is also brought to you by Safety Sucks, the bullshit in the safety profession they don't tell you about, aka my first book. You can pick up a copy over at safetysucks.net if you want a signed copy. It's also available on Amazon through Amazon Prime. You can get a Kindle version of that. You can also head over to Audible or iTunes and get an audiobook version. Again, today is brought to you by Safety Sucks. Head over to safetysucks.net or pick up a copy wherever you find books or audio books. Hello, howdy, hi everybody. Sam Goodman, the Hop Nerd, bringing you another episode of the Hop Nerd Podcast. Before we get too much farther into this here thing, do me a favor, head over to the website, www.thehopnerd.com. Follow along on all things social media at The Hop Nerd, except for Twitter, because it is super duper special. It is The Hop Nerd 1. You can slide into the DMs. You can send us an email. You can get a hold of us one way or another. We tend to make that quite easy if you want to reach out and start that conversation with us. Also, head over to HOPUniversity.com. Org. That's hopuniversity.org for all things safety better. We are doing on-demand hop training, virtual stuff, distanced stuff, uh, and we'll come to you. We can do that too. We'll do just about everything safety better. So today is a super awesome episode, and I know I say that every time pretty much because they're all awesome. We just have had the most amazing guests in this 70-ish, 70-plus episodes that we've recorded so far, we have just had some super amazing folks. And today, we are joined by the one and the only Rob Fisher. So how cool is that? Me and Rob hanging out talking about all things hop and human performance improvement. And I will tell you that we went and we went and we went. And that's what kind of happens because it's me and it's other folks that are like me. So we talk a bunch. (laughs) So that's what we did. So this is a two-parter. So this is part one of the Hop Nerd and Rob Fisher and you hanging out talking a little bit about everything human and organizational performance. Here we go. I just want to say welcome uh, to the one and the only, the awesome Mr. Rob Fisher. How are you today, sir? I am fantastic. You know, uh, another day COVID free. (laughs) I I know that feeling, you know, I've been, I've been fortunate enough here to get tested a couple of times. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's good fortune or bad fortune when they come at you with that, yeah. that Q-tip that's about as long as your arm. <laughs> you know, but I've been fortunate enough to at least be be negative through most of that. Well, I think when I get back from this trip, I'm gonna I'll, I'll go get tested just for yeah. That's that's what we were just talking kind of before we started. That's actually what I'm planning on doing is going and uh, going and getting tested. We um I live around the corner here in, in Phoenix from ASU. 
and they're doing these kind of pop-in testing centers where you just drive through. And I'm, I'm probably going to do the same because we were just sharing. I'm, I've done a little flying before as well for some family stuff or a funeral. And uh, Rob was just telling me he's getting ready to fly out to go do some stuff. And uh, yeah, the airports are, they're interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I bolted awake and you'll love this this morning at three o'clock and the adrenaline was rushing. I turned 63 a, a few weeks ago. And well, late, late, day, late, happy birthday. Let me say that late, late, happy birthday. <laughs> and on that day, my North Carolina driver's license expired. Oh, I haven't looked at my driver's license in years. So I didn't find out until uh, we were trying to put some insurance checks in the bank and the banker said, Hey, you know, the license yeah. expires. Well, you know, North Carolina's not issued right now. Yeah. And at that point, I wasn't thinking about getting on a plane. Yeah. And uh, until after I got my license. But this morning, boom, upright. So I can't get on a plane. <laughs> I, can't. I can't rent the car when I get. Oh, no. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I'm going to be out of control. It's amazing how much stuff is dependent upon that one little plastic car. <laughs> I was thinking about that today because they uh, or just the other day talking about flying uh, because Arizona, you have to get the new more secure driver's license, right? To the real ID. Right, exactly. And and so Arizona has been a little slower than some in rolling that out. And um, I've been even slower into actually going and doing it. So it's my, my laziness has, <laughs> has put me in this position probably more than anything else. Um, but so they finally extended that, right? So they extended it a little bit with everything that's going on, but I've, I've got to do the same. And the worst part in Arizona is driver's license don't expire for like life. So, so I think, I think my expiration date on my current license um, that I got back in 15 or 16 or some, somewhere back in there, that I couldn't even tell you, but the expiration date is 2053. So wow. <laughs> like, I don't want to have to do it. It doesn't expire to 2053. I'm too cheap <laughs> to do that. <laughs> yeah. You'll still be younger than me at that point. Well, <laughs> we're going to get this guy to 2028. That's it. Right. Are you, it's, it's like my dad. This is, we're probably, probably in some strange ground here, but my dad, when he was, I think he was 81, his concealed carry permit in Texas was about to expire. <laughs> <laughs> this, really? this is something that ought to expire. Oh, no, no, son. I, I'm, I'm going to get it, get yeah. it renewed. Yeah. All right. <laughs> You would think at that point you just just keep it. It's good. That's right. <laughs> the state would just be like, all right, it's for, it's for life. Don't worry about it. You know, where, where are you going to hang it on your walker? Right. <laughs> well, you, that's what you, you. I've watched you try to walk. That's what I'm saying. You, you you put the permit on one side. Well, I guess it's it varies with with what your yeah, what your I'll what your drawing hand. You know, but you put the permit on one side and you put the revolver on the other side of the walker. And you're good. Right. Go, right? <laughs> Well, on that note, thank you for coming on. <laughs> Let me say that. <laughs> You're welcome. Good to be here. I'm, yeah, we, we were just talking. It's it's uh, It's been too long. I've been excited to get you on and finally uh, finally did. We finally chatted a little bit the other day, and here you are. Um, before we go too much farther, if there's – I can't imagine that there's folks out there that don't know who you are, but would you give us a little introduction and, and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, sure. And and thanks for having me on. I, you know, I'm certainly going to try to get you on mine as well here in the very near future. Sure. Um, my name's Rob Fisher. I own a company called Fisher Improvement Technologies. And we've spent the last 30 years helping organizations understand uh, how and why people make mistakes, especially mistakes could be catastrophic, and how you can do one of three things. You can prevent the mistake, you can mitigate the consequences, or you can reduce the probability. And the people at the sharp end of the stick need to know how to do that. And the people that are leaders need to understand their role in that. So our company kind of focuses on the, the area of prevention, mitigation, elimination, um, and, and reduction. We also do uh, effective incident analysis. How do you look at things after things happen? You guys call them learning teams. We've been doing facilitated improvement teams, same concept. Yeah. a long time. And then effective written guidance. Um, you can't throw all the rules away. So the ones that you do have to write down, the ones that people do have to follow, you better make them as good as they can be. Right. And those are kind of the three areas that we focus on in almost all high risk industries. Yeah. So that's awesome. It, a while. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. That is awesome. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking 
And, and that's the, the word that comes to mind when, when I think of Fisher Improvement is I, I think legendary, to be honest with you. That's yeah. kind of what I think about, you know, just as you said, you guys have been doing this for, for, for over 30 years. We were just chatting a little bit before we got started about my day job and some of the influence that, that you guys had at my current employer. Again, I, don't, I won't talk about who I work for people. It's easy enough for them to go find that yeah. out as they want to. But just the positive impact that your organization has had on. God, how, who knows how many, or do you well, even know how many companies you guys have, have had a positive influence on? <laughs> we've done over 250 deployments Wow, um, in 40 countries in 10 different languages. Wow. And we kind of stopped counting at about 300,000 students. Wow. That's so amazing. We start moving to the workforce. I, I started looking at it the other day and from a workforce perspective, from the worker, sharp into the stick. Probably 250,000 of those people have been frontline workers. Wow. All the rest have been advocates. You know, we've got um, over a thousand certified trainers globally, Um, probably 10 or 11,000 advocates that people go through three and four day workshops. Um, And and that's all good. You know, it just means we've been out there doing it. The thing that gets me is how well the process works. Um, to drive people that want to do something sustainably. Mm. Um, I think it's kind of a testament. We don't get a lot of repeat business. and We don't get a lot of people (laughs) shifting over to go somewhere else. In the end, um, what we do is pretty sustainable. So, yeah. But the the other thing is I've always tried to stay a little bit ahead of the curve. So, you know, way back in the day, we started – creating things that worked for people that weren't nukes and worked for people that weren't in a utility. So we kind of moved into industry and changed up some of the language and needs. And then, then the next thing we did was uh, they, everybody said you need a systemic approach. So we created a system that people use. Hmm. Then leaders need a a system. So we created it. We just tried to stay ahead of, of the norm. Right. Yeah. um, for, for the, our entire existence, really. That's awesome. Well, and I, I, you're speaking my language because I, I love when you kind of you kind of go down this place of um, so many organizations get so fixated solely on prevention, right? And you're talking so beyond just prevention, and we're acknowledging that prevention is good. Like prevention is a great, <laughs> great yeah. thing. But I'm I'm really I'm really digging into that approach because um, it seems like. It, so many organizations get so fixated on prevention that it's almost to, to it's almost detrimental because we lose sight of the fact that our prevention strategies are probably going to fail at some point. And when they do, how do, as you kind of mentioned, how do we have that on the backside of that to, to mitigate the outcome? And when you couple all that stuff together, yeah. kind of going driving down that systems approach, we have kind of the full package now. We're not just relying on this or we're not just relying on that. We kind of have more, more stacked layered, layered defenses there. Yeah, so I think, you know, years ago, I was one of the first people to say, well, I don't understand. Yes, human performance or hot tools are good mm-hmm. for the end worker and they need them, but it's still a final barrier tool. Right, exactly. So right. Why, why, why would you invest all of your time and money on the belief that the final right. barrier tool is going to be any yeah. better than the final barrier? Right, right. But, well, but that, that's not to say you don't need them. Yeah. And they have to be good. So, again, you know, we we kind of move things. Uh, I've been around so long that Star, Stop the Captain Review, had had a predecessor. <laughs> predecessor was called Slit Vamo. Really? So Seven-step process wow. to do something the mind can only remember, only remember five of. Right. We <laughs> back then. Yeah. And then, so then Star came along. But what we discovered probably 10 years ago that, the, the stop, think, act, review piece, the think piece had three or four steps. So mm-hmm. when we shifted to verbalize point and touch, we had to then explain to people why we want them talking out loud. And again, it just took with people because um, now they understood the way the brain was working. Right, yeah. And then you can backfill into the organization. But, yeah. but I've always believed that the tools are necessary but they're also the last thing you ought to roll out, not the first thing. Uh, you're, you're exactly. It's it's so interesting because we find so much in, in so many organizations that they want the tools, 
but they don't necessarily want all that legwork that goes up to how to use the tools properly and understanding the limitations of tools and understanding all that stuff, right? They want those, they want to take those, those bits and pieces that you can make really visible and useful in the organization, which they are very useful, as we kind of mentioned. They're, they're amazing tools, but you got to have all that stuff really back yeah. behind it to make all that work. Um, because if you just try to copy and paste those over, as some organizations do, not all, some, there's a few, right, that just try to go, okay, now we're going to use this and just plug that in. And then their mind is blown when it fails. Where <laughs> <laughs> the utilities got burned by the nukes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you had a bunch of executives that came from the nukes, went into the utilities, said, put these human performance tools in, yep. hold people accountable for using them. Yep. Well, I mean, I did both of those strategies, but that wasn't the way it worked. Right. And 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 you still have and you still have some people in the utility business today that think that if they just throw the tools out to the workforce, then they're going to get better performance. And yeah. the problem is they do a little bit. They get a little bump because yeah. some of the yeah. tools are fairly natural, right? Right. Yeah. But it's exactly it's it's what I found so so frequently with that when that occurs is that you end up really with weaponized human performance tools, it seems like, right? End up in a position to where um, kind of going into cause analysis and stuff in those organizations that might have just kind of thrown those tools over and said, here you go, use them. Um, because on the surface, it might seem super simple that you can just take these and just tell people to use them yeah. and, and punish them when they don't and, and, and hold them more accountable when they fail at using them. Well, um, and not even more, not even just more accountable. Hell, they started shifting their, uh, root cause to say right. failure to perform an effective pretest, right. failure to use start, yeah. failure to do use the critical decision. Like, what? And then you're sitting there like bashing your head against yeah, the that's wall. Why going, my well, no, no, <laughs> right? You're going no, no. Yes. Well, and and that's that's what I mean by that weaponized piece. Is it's we we kind of we'll, we'll write that into those analysis, right? Um, and those organizations will say, well, they should have just done a two minute drill harder. <laughs> Yeah. or better right? right and this again it's back to that point of not just it's just not telling us anything right because that's the way that i share it with people is is their human performance tools and as with any tool whether it's a screwdriver or a hammer you know that we've got in their toolbox in the garage they all have their specific uses and their their specific limitations and we have to understand that that, that hammer that screwdriver might fail at some point <laughs> yeah one of one of our mantras is if you use the right tool the right way at the right time, yeah, that's yeah. when you get a factor of 10 reduction. Mm. Use the wrong tool, use it at the wrong time. The, the tool itself fails right. or, or you don't use it right, you don't get the reduction. So that's a lot of things that have to come together. How does the organization prepare for task success? Right. And then let the tool be something that will, stop something from falling it's the net yeah on the outside of the scaffolding right exactly exactly no i love it i, th- I think that's great because uh again i think that that's one thing that i think people need to hear is um that that you really need to lay that groundwork right that you really need you, you don't just want to go take tools off the shelf basically yeah. and just try to throw them into the organization uh, you really need to understand their uses their limitations you got to lay all that groundwork beforehand and I, so i like the way that you put that that the tools should probably be the last thing that you well in fact in our <laughs> process the organization. we we have some interactions with senior leaders and managers mm-hmm. and there's a stop sign in our process that's and i tell the leaders that stop signs for us or for you, yeah. you may get along down this road as a leader and go, it's oh, not the way I want to go. That's fine. Yeah. That stop signs as much for us to say, these leaders are not changing their language. They're not changing their yeah. behaviors. They're not getting it. And I'm not putting our uh, name at risk right. for a team that just wants it. And we, I mean, we lost a big contract last year because the senior leaders wanted somebody and then they did it from outside come in and just go around and teach all the tools to the workers. And I said, yeah, that's a big contract, but I'm not doing something I know is going to fail. Right. Right. And that that's, yeah, exactly. 
Wow. And I mean, again, we, we see that pretty, pretty frequently. It's almost like they want that easy button. It seems like, so, okay, we put the tools yeah. out and everything will be fine. And that's, that's, that's amazing. That's, uh, that's such an, such an ethical testimony that you give there. I think that's, that's so neat to hear because and there's some the organizations out there that, that wouldn't turn that down. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, obviously there were. Yeah. There's, there's someone, something. Yeah. <laughs> a few of them actually, they lined <laughs> up. <laughs> Uh, but um the sad part is people so overcomplicate in their heads how difficult it is to do it right and it's not yeah i mean you walk away and the leaders start changing their behaviors and they have a, a meeting with the union leadership and it goes completely differently than it went two days ago yeah and they start getting different inputs and the engagement changes before they ever even roll out the tools. Yeah. It's amazingly simple. It's it's not chaotic or complex to start moving an organization down the path. But I think in, in people's heads, they just think it's going to be such a, and, and you, you know, the what we were talking about before, an organization yeah. you're familiar with struggled yeah. with this. Yeah. It's going to be so hard. Right. right. Yeah. The president's <laughs> on. He's on every channel. <laughs> yeah. I think the the crazy part with that is, and because this is what I hear, and you you probably hear you you probably when when I hear those things from that organization or any organization, I hear this. This is what plays in my head. I hear we know that it's wrong, and we know that it doesn't work well, but it's ours, and we're going to keep doing it that way. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's give Mike a chance. He just right. got promoted to this senior leader position. Yeah. Yeah. Let's give him a year to get his feet wet. Right. Meanwhile, they're not the ones that are out there getting hurt, made to kill. No, exactly, exactly. And I, there's that struggle there because when we're talking um, utilities and we're talking these high risk industries, um, we continue to really have fatalities at a pretty stable rate, unfortunately right through through most organizations um and it seems like the kind of the normative approach for organizations is to just say okay well we're just going to take what we've been doing and just do that a lot harder and expect to stop killing people and it's 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 back to that old saying right you're going to keep doing the old the, the same thing over and over and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity right yeah and you, you got to do something a little different. You can't just take those normal approaches that, again, when we hear that, it's playing in our head going, oh, okay. <laughs> but you got to take that and, and maybe do something a little different, huh? Yeah. And so what, what I've been doing um, probably the last 10 years now is trying to shift the paradigm of leaders on that in particular. Yeah. Now, you know, we have this whole part of our business that is not not companies that have fatalities and, and serious injuries. But about 10 years ago, I sat on a, on this board for this conference for uh, fatality and serious injury elimination. Mm -hmm. And that was when we really discovered the data associated with everything else has gotten better and fatalities have plateaued. Right. So let's start look let's start looking at SIF, serious injury and fatality potential or or FSI, whatever companies call it, yeah. and looking at it differently. First, we got people to try to manage the slice, you know, convince right. them that the pyramid wasn't really a pyramid for them. Yeah. Then, you know, and instead of just throwing out, the pyramid sucks, you can't use the right. pyramid. Right. You no, know, I've always thought it's our job to take leaders on a journey that shifts their paradigm yeah. instead of yelling at them that, yes. they're, that they're stupid for thinking that yeah. things are the way they were 40 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the one thing that I found to be, you're, you're so spot on. You're so spot on because um, I really, I really appreciate the, that kind of generic adoption curve, you know, where, where we really have the innovators and we have the early majority, late majority, and then you have kind of that laggard crowd, you know, yeah. I've just seen that play out. I'm sure you have to, you've seen that play out hundreds of times as you kind of do these deployments. Um, I've really found in those, especially in those leaders, it seems like, that are most of them are just kind of in that place. It seems like it's not a no, it's not a yes. It's just tell me more, make this make sense to me. Yeah. And I found that if you don't get 
because you're, you're dealing with a very particular personality, right? Especially when you're talking director and above, right? You're dealing with a very particular personality in these organizations. And I've just found that to where if you, you know, you, 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 you slip a book on their desk, <laughs> you know, or you, you, you send them uh, you send them a link to the, uh, the essential leadership podcast, right? Yeah. You, you, you just, you, you kind of feed them a little information. I've, I've just personally found that it seems like with most of those folks, that they eventually come to the same conclusions that most of us would. Yeah. Right. So it's to, to your point, exactly. Um, as much as I love, and don't get me wrong, I love to bash the pyramid. I, I do. That's, that's, <laughs> I love, at least on social media, I love to pick on the pyramid and zero yeah. and all that stuff because it's fun and it's polarizing. Right. But in the, in that world, that's the, probably the last thing you'd actually want to do in an organization. You, you, you don't want to go out and make someone feel stupid because they're right. not, those folks are not stupid by any means. Well, and right? the other thing is, uh, safety leaders that have been around for 20 years, they ain't gone yet. No, absolutely. Exactly. So you're telling, you're telling them what they, that, that would be like telling an, an engineer that differential equations was taught wrong. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause that's what they were. So, so you have to take them on that journey. Yeah. And for me, the development of that journey was both personal and professional. You know, yeah. I had to shift because it was what I was taught. Sure. Um, but uh, so what worked and, you know, you were talking about the personalities. One of the biggest things that we've done in the last probably five years now is incorporate the personality tendencies into hop. Um, I always thought that, you know, whether it was Myers-Briggs or Rock Run or DISC or, or, um, Florence Littower or Strength Finders, I always thought back in the old days that, our personalities had something to do with how HP took or how Hop yeah. took. Yeah. I didn't know that equilibrium was out there with 600,000 data points on how different people, with different personalities get hurt. What makes it difficult to follow procedures? What makes it difficult to stop work? And even more important for me and us, how do I approach that individual in a leadership position right. based on the way they need information, not the way I like to give it. So that's yeah. been a game changer. And that's, so that's kind of where I was going to go next, because um, that's one thing that you guys are doing that there's a lot that you guys are doing that's super unique, but that's one thing that is phenomenally different than most other organizations out there. Right. And that's actually, so I, that's what I just, I just did mine beforehand. I don't know if some people can see that I've got my blue, my, my blue, yellow, the socializing relator here in, yeah. <laughs> in front of me because I, I just, I hadn't done it yet. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. I, I definitely need to do it before I talk to Rob. Like I have to do it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I went on to the e-color site and did that, did the, 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 the one, you know, there, the I was like, oh, this is, this is neat. Yeah. That's neat because it, it has to, right. I mean, how could it not well, you and, think and about not even that. into the tools, right? Like certain tools will work better for certain people than others. It, and just, exactly. You, you can't tell, a, you can't tell a very introverted, very process-oriented individual that they're supposed to speak up before they're ready. You have to right. give them a tool. I mean, we actually created a tool called personal intervention that is what we call the gateway tool. It's just a pause and play button. Right. So if I need to speak up and it's not my tendency, I can hit the play button and do that. Yeah. And it's a physical act because the physical act connects your brain to the action as opposed to just trying to remember to do it. Right. So, you know, we, we think it's obviously the next logical step in, in the longer term sustainability of hawk. Yeah. I I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome because even, even as I did this, like I said, I did this and I went on and I'm like reading through it. I'm like, Oh, that's me. (laughs) I think, I think think it's so neat. Uh, I think it is so neat. Um, And I I think that we're going to see a lot of organizations start to wake up to that and go, okay, this, this makes total sense. Yeah, we, you know, every now and then, Fit's been doing human performance for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. And, and we've improved it along the way through companies like Alcoa and, you know, John Deere. And mm-hmm. we, we just had a lot of Fortune 500 companies that have, yeah. that have used us. And, and um, we wanted to maintain fit human performance because there's clients out there we've had for 10 or 15 years that want yeah. to keep that going. Yeah. that may not want to take that next logical step. Right. Almost everything we're doing with clients now is advanced error reduction. Right. Is the is the personality based. And now some of the some of the um, older clients are coming around 
to say, what's the next logical step? You know, we're pretty good at this. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's do that. When I think that's, that's, that's amazing because you're, you're really supporting your clients in the, the ways that they need to be supported, right? At the levels in which they're at and you yeah. can kind of grow that. And that's because I get that question a lot. Um, and I'm sure you do too. They're like, well, hop, you know, well, what about HPI? And it, were we throwing everything? It's like, no way. <laughs> Stop. Right? Yeah. It's for me, it's kind of, as you just mentioned, just in general, right? It's just this constant evolution towards betterment right? No, no matter what pieces kind of come into play there, it's just that stuff. So it's so, it's so neat to hear where you guys are taking that. I mean, it's just cool. Well, it's, and it's the, cool. The, thank you for that. And the other piece is maybe a quarter, maybe a little bit more of our business comes in the safety door Yeah, because we don't, you know, at first it was HP, but then health physics got mad. So they changed <laughs> HP health physics to RP, radiation yeah. protection. Then we had HP, but people didn't like that. It needs an O in it, so that became hot. Mm -hmm. Nothing's really changed in what from yeah. HP, HBI, hot. It's the, right. You know, it's it's all about a continuous improvement process that involves humans, regardless yeah. of what those humans do for us. Exactly. exactly. Well, and that's that's what I've seen too. Is that it seems like um, in in a good chunk of organizations, safety might start the conversation, or it might be the catalyst. Yeah. And then organizations quickly realize that, oh my God, like this, this would help us here and this would help us there. And this would help us practically everywhere. Yeah. So, so, you know, it, it, and it really eases a burden on safety. Mm -hmm. So what happens in a lot of our clients is we come in that safety door and they gather the plant managers and the VPs together and they're going to have this meeting. And I say, make sure your quality directors there, your human resources mm -hmm. directors there, your engineering directors there. And so well, why would all those people be there? I said, because this is an improvement strategy. Yeah. And what you're going to see, what they're going to see is that you may not be able to quantify safety improvements. Right. And they're so lagging. Yeah. But what do you think your quality director is going to say when they can reduce upsets by a factor of five in three months? Yeah. It's massive. What do you think your finance director is going to say when that factor of five reduction in quality upsets can be quantified, you know, so in the, in the end, we go in the safety door, but almost all of our, what is, what has it done for you? Absent the, you know, we make fewer mistakes that result in injuries, our financial, big financial. Yeah, huge. Right. And then even, even beyond that, I mean, you think about um, so much of this kind of growth culturally in organizations that stems from this uh, and just being maybe a little bit better place to work in general. Yeah. Oh, big right. You, right. You, you think about the, the, the reduction in employee turnover and all these kind of other things that, that really stem from this uh, and maybe the workplace even just being a little happier. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that, that's a big deal, especially yeah. when we brought the personality tendency mm -hmm. elements in. Yeah. So our service and retail side, um, which was developed for that very thing. We have a couple of people in the workforce that have, yeah. have service and retail backgrounds and the service and retail direction we're going is about minimizing turnover and, and kind of workplace happiness. Yeah. Because if I can leave someplace and go someplace else and make the same amount of money and think I'm going to be happier, I don't care about the employer. I'm going right. to go do that. Yeah. But yeah. if I feel um, good about working here, even if it's the same amount of money, I'll probably stay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and turnover, when we started doing the research, turnover in service and retail is an outrageously oh, expensive sure. thing. Yeah, I'm sure. So, you know, they can, they can monetize that pretty easily. Yeah. So, again, we had to start um, creating things in our learning management system that could easily be delivered to service and retail because you're not going to, you're not going to go into um, the, the local pharmacy that is losing people to CVS and, and have, and run eight hour workshops. That's not going to happen. Right. right. But we had to find different ways to deliver, uh, yeah. you know, online virtually and things like that. And we had been doing that for, you know, creating that for a couple of years. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that's cool. I love it. I love it. I just, I just think it's neat. I mean, Thank again, you. to, to see, to see folks out there, um, I'll put it to you this way. You guys are making the world a better place to work, right? I think, I think that's, 
that's a, that's an amazing thing, whether, whether it's safety related or anything else. And I think yeah. that's, that is what's really neat because, you know, out of all those things that we just talked about, safety is probably the hardest one to quantify, right? It's probably the hardest, the hardest yeah. improvement to measure. So once, once organizations start to realize that they can measure things better elsewhere, they're like, oh, this, you know, <laughs> they, they quickly. Oh, and, and, you know, we've had, we've had several clients. I won't name the, the, everybody will know who it is, but, you know, they do these engagement surveys mm-hmm. and, they they have certain they they want to improve employee engagement. Right. Yep. We've had a couple of clients that blew their next engagement survey out of the water, so that the people that run the engagement surveys had to go back to the well, because the the big deal is right. they create these engagement surveys and they say, hey, here's how you fix that. You know, it's the ancillary product to fix right. the engagement piece. Right. We had some people that they they couldn't really measure. Um, <laughs> the difference yeah yeah and so the the people that did the engagement survey had to go back to the well to to knock those scores down a little but that that employee engagement piece is a precursor to all of the other things getting better yeah and the other thing about safety is um even if all your numbers get better everybody goes to sleep knowing there's that one thing that could happen tomorrow yeah everything we did is gone that uh, that black swan is always out there, yeah. Right, it's always out there, and it's usually way outside of our imagination. And it's it's again, it's it's the the mystery thing that we know we've missed, or we know we can't imagine, we know that we can't think yeah. of, and it's still out there, right? And it's yeah. usually in the weirdest places, it seems. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. So tell me about the podcast a little bit. So you've 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 got the Essential Leadership Cycle podcast that happens, right? So tell tell us a little bit about the pod. Yeah. Um. Well, I started doing that. You know, I, I created these things called Rob Observations a couple of years ago. And awesome I, title, by the way. I love it. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to call it when I'm gone. but uh, <laughs> And, and that, that really came from uh, people would ask questions. They, they would just ask me questions and want a short burst answer. Hmm. And so I started putting those short burst answers. I mean, they were well thought out but they were just years of experience that anybody could then see. And I wanted something that if, if somebody's going to, I mean, I did one on uh, why people get, why kids get left in hot cars. Yeah. And it was a little bit controversial because Mm -hmm. people just want to blame somebody for leaving somebody in a hot car. Yeah. And I said, wait a minute, there's a human performance thing about this. So the essential leadership cycle podcast came out of, um, we started thinking last September, October timeframe that the leaders that I deal with, you know, I'm almost always with senior leaders now. My heart, where I came from is operator and maintenance. That's where I came from. Everyone in our organization comes from an operational or maintenance background. And, um, but I, I've spent all of my time with senior leaders over the last, you know, five or six years, maybe even more. Um, somebody asked me to come do an advocate class for him. I said, I'm not the person. Right. It's right. your stuff. I said, okay, but you want the person that does this, you know, three times a month to, to do yeah. this, not me. Yeah. yeah. And um, so those senior leaders would ask questions and I was doing some coaching um, both in person and virtual. And somebody said, well, this podcast thing is kicking off. Why don't you help people understand the essential leadership cycle yeah. through some quick burst podcasts? And the just very quickly, the essential leadership cycle starts with self and team awareness, then moves to shared vision and values. Then you can start to create clear roles and processes. If you don't have those first two, the roles and processes aren't going to be clear. Right. That generates trust in an organization mm-hmm. amongst the people and amongst the systems. Once you start to develop trust, then you can go, go for diversity and inclusion. Once you have that, that creates commitment and then accountability. And it shocks people how far around the cycle accountability is, but this is accountability where it's developed. I'm accountable to you. You're accountable to me. We're accountable to each other. This it's is true sense, right? Yeah. And, and I tell people, look, from, from an accountability perspective, when we go into high-performing organizations, they never talk about accountability. Right. 
That doesn't mean it's not there. Right. It means that it is organically developed and there in everything. When I go into organizations that struggle, they talk about it all the time. And it's always, who are we going to hold? Exactly. Yeah. So, So the Essential Leadership Cycle podcast, part of it was, let's step people through what it takes to really get to accountability and learning and continuous improvement. And there's a lot there. So we were realizing that that would reach a lot more people that would just like to listen to 10 or 15 minutes than than me going out and saying, okay, now that you're going to deploy senior leaders, here's the model. So that's how it started. And, you know, uh, I started by most of the early ones just being me explaining things. And now I'm more, um, we just created the list today of all of the senior leaders that we're going to interview for it. That's, oh, that's um, cool. You know, a little bit different than me just flapping my gums. That's cool. So, and I, I will tell, I would encourage folks to go check it out because it is good. Like it's, it's good. Well, thank it's, you. It's, it's, it's a good podcast. And to hear that you're going to have those folks on, it's going to go from, from good to even gooder. How about that? Yeah, gooder. <laughs> it, it is, it's, it, it is awesome. And uh, it's available just about everywhere, right? iTunes, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. So yeah, I think so. The easiest place to find all of our stuff is just go, Go on our website and click on the either podcast or insights page and yeah, and everything's there. It's awesome. I think it's so cool. It's it's just, you know, you can sit down and you can have this kind of little bit more longer format conversation. And people, people eat it up because like, they're kind of looking for it, you know, because that's kind of that's kind of what led me down the podcast space too, is that okay, I'm I just want to create what I would want to listen to. And I think that's what most of us end up doing when we find ourselves actually doing a podcast, you know. And uh, I think it's great because, again, you have those folks that can – it's such an intimate experience because people are usually – literally, you're in their ears. Yeah. And you're you're having that conversation directly to that person while they're they're usually – you know, hanging around the house doing some chores or they're doing a, you know, out, out doing a jog or doing whatever, but you're, you're just connecting with that person so intimately. I just, I just love well, this. And, and you, you filled a void. It's one of the things I appreciate about yours is you filled a void that we were doing the research to fill because mm-hmm. we, we were having focus groups with millennials. What do you really need? What do you really right. want? You know, you don't, I know you don't want me or Lewis talking to you. So um, absent that, how do we get what's in this head into the, into something you'll listen to right. so that we don't go through this dip of, well, those old people are all full of crap. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to do it differently and wind up stepping over some very low hanging fruit that has been it's, learned yes. over the years. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's where, as we kind of mentioned before, you know, we, we had this conversation where we, we kind of get this where it's okay. So we're throwing all that away and no, we're not. <laughs> stop right there (laughs) because I don't, I don't ever want folks to think that, that we're, I'm, I'm not a burn it down person by any means. And I hope that that comes through to, to folks. Um, I think it does and it's important. And there are some people out there that are, that are, that burn it down. Exactly. I, I, I just, I, I truly believe that, you know, as we continue to grow and try to seek betterment, you know, we're, we're standing on the shoulders of folks like yourself. We're standing on the shoulders of folks that have, have grown and learned and built this. And as you said, um, we need to lean into the knowledge that folks such as yourself possess and, and others out there, right. That, that uh, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be ageist here and call you the grandfather of this stuff, but <laughs> You you, you get what I'm saying, right? No, but I mean, it's, we kind of look at it as there's explorers Mm -hmm. and then there's settlers and then there's, there's the population, right? Right, right. And one of the things that we've tried to constantly do is explore Mm -hmm. so that the, the information is there and available and, and the, you know, I don't feel 63. I hope I'm hoping I don't look it yet, but well, some mornings I do feel, but anyway, I was um, thinking, I was thinking you're like thirties, like mid, yeah, mid uh, <laughs> well, I was at one time, at one time. <laughs> um, but, but we're, you know, we keep, we do keep surrounding ourselves with people who um, have to use it that are in the younger generation. Mm-hmm. We know I'm not their um, papa. You know, there's a certain group that I need to talk to, but by the same token, there's some mistakes that have been made along the way 
that keep getting propagated. Right. So things like the, the performance modes, you know, the, my first book is going to be on the performance modes. Nice. Um, I'm 400 pages into my first book on oh. reasonable to believe. You're but, getting me excited now. We're going to, we're going to get a book. I'm getting excited. Well, I'm 400 pages into a 200 page book. So uh. I've got to figure out how to, <laughs> how to back out of it. But Todd is, has really told me, look, we understand performance modes and the failure of people to understand those performance mm-hmm. modes probably better than anyone. And that now that, now that it's being sent out to a bunch more people, the numbers that people are using in performance, modes, they're just wrong. They're not right. what the research said. They, they make people believe that I don't need to use a tool to reduce from, I don't need a tool to go from one in 10,000 to one in 10,000. What I need a tool for. Right. So, you know, people have to understand it. Some of the mistakes that we, the, the piece of star that wasn't working, the, yeah. you know, people need to understand that piece. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's so vital. And that that's where I share that all the time. It's, it's, it's continued growth. You don't want to just burn stuff down. Yeah. It's still, even if we're going to, like we're, we're saying hop, it's still human performance improvement at the end of the day, right? That's still yeah. ultimately what we're talking about, right? Um, we might just be adding in some different pieces, but that doesn't mean you scrap all the stuff that's known and good and works and, and all that other stuff. And I, I think that that's, that's something that um, that's that I'm fearful of as we kind of continue to seek betterment, right? Is that we, we excise things that we don't need to excise, <laughs> that we cut out things that are valuable and work and are useful. So I, I think you're spot on, you're spot on there. We, we, we want to make sure that we don't lose that stuff that is valuable to us. And well, and the other thing is the gatherings that we have, even, even uh, um, conversations like this, right. or some of the safety FM stuff that's gone on uh, some of the, gatherings at some point hprct which i think you've been to right yeah um yeah the reason we're there is is to make sure that some of the stuff gets gets moved so that it can be improved right as opposed to well nobody's talking about that and that's exactly what the nuclear industry did with performance modes they threw them out the window i know i don't even know that what the hell? It was one of the most important it's researches in understanding human performance. Exactly. exactly. And I've, I've found myself in a few situations similar, right? Where I'm going, what's missing? Where, where, you know, and you're looking at some of these presentations, right? When, when you're talking kind of basics, human performance improvement, again, the basics, you still got to have that to build any of the rest of this stuff off of, right? Yeah. So you're going, okay, where, where are the performance modes? <laughs> Right. As you kind of mentioned. And when you ask, like, oh, we just we scrapped that. We, you know, saved the slides for something else. That, 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 that's well, just well, theory. Performance was a theory for crying out loud. Exactly. I scratch my head because I can't right. figure out how to put the damn IKEA furniture together. Right. That's exactly. performance modes. Right. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. Well, and so fortunately, at least in the little sphere of, um, my little bubble of, of influence and my little bubble of contact with people, I've seen them starting to rally back in, in a lot of organizations, at least, because I think folks are going, whoa, we probably need to not throw that away. Yeah, That's, that's pretty good. Um, and as you said, we've seen that in the nuke world where it just kind of went. Just kind well, of I think part of that was back in the day, um, it was probably whew, late 90s that I started using something called triggers. Performance modes didn't mean a lot, and even the traps didn't mean a lot because right. you didn't know what the triggers were that told you you were vulnerable. So we started putting triggers in, and the triggers then the, the triggers then actually became as important, if not more important, than the vulnerability itself right. because the trigger would tell you you needed to do something. Right, right. But before, when you stress, high workload, and time pressure, those are traps. Don't fall in them. Oh, yeah. You succumb to time break. Well. How was I supposed to know I was right. in it at the moment? Right. That's what triggers. Right. And that's exactly so. And because I, exactly, because so, so many of those conversations, right. You know, you've had them thousands of times. So it's like, well, duh, I have time pressure. Look at my job. Yeah. <laughs> of course it exists. Right. Or yeah, something it's, the leaders, it's the leaders that need to be told you can't, you can't take the trap away. Exactly. You can't take the thing that pushes stress away. No, you've got to give somebody the ability to recognize it yep. and then the opportunity to deal with it. 
Exactly. And, and we call that moving from empowering to enable. Yes. Oh, yeah. and, and a lot of organizations, they just stop at empowering people. Right. And it's, I think it's not enough. You have to not, exactly to do exactly. the right thing. Because so many of those conversations are just conversations, right? It ends up with that. Listen, there's no time pressure here. Don't give me that excuse. There's no time pressure here. Yep. Right. And everybody's looking at each other going, oh, yes, we know this. You've <laughs> always got time to do the job right. You've always got time to do the job safety. We're never going to ask you to do something right. so fast that you need to make a mistake and I need you done by four. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Spot on because then everyone else is in the, in our minds because most of us have been in that situation, right. At some point in our careers, we're going liar. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and so let's go back to the personality tendencies again. Each of the different traps actually get set differently for different personality types. Wow, so yeah, you're right. on that right-hand side. You're on the, on the relating uh, socializer piece, right? Um, we that are on that right hand side, one of the traps that we set for people is over information. Mm. So they, they will, it yep. will actually stress people out if we over inform because we're trying to engage, we're engaging. Yeah. That's what we do. Yep. Yep. I, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's so, it's so interesting. I love it because yeah, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and, and, because, and we don't like voids either. No. So if somebody, if, if we're on a pre-task brief and the people are thinking, which they need time to do, those relators and thinkers, they need time to process information. Yeah. We'll fill that void with information that they may or may not need. Right. Or, or we'll just say, hey, look, we got it. Let's go. We're ready yeah. to go. Yeah. That's so valuable. Oh, I love it. I love it. We come full circle. We brought it all the way back to the, uh, to the colors. I love it. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think it's just demonstrating the value that that has. And it, I'm, I'm so excited to see where you guys take it next. I think that's, I'm excited. And I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you talk about this book. I'm excited. I really am. I'm, ex- I'm, I'm pumped for this. You're going to, you're going to have to hustle up and get it out to us now. You realize that, right? <laughs> I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have said it out loud on somebody else's podcast. <laughs> Cause I know there's people sitting in the office next to mine that said, I heard that you had the old damn COVID to write the book. How long did it take you to write it? When you, when you sat down, how long did it take you to write it? Oh, for mine. So mine, mine's a shorty though. So I'll say that. Let me, let me say that because mine, mine is only about 110 pages. Um, so mine, mine was a shorty and I'd already written a couple articles around it. I already had everything there and it was more, um, Mine is more of an opinion piece, really, yeah. than anything else. Personal experiences and storytelling, and it's more is more of that. Um, so mine took me probably about four months to really sit down and, and scrub mine out. So very much um, like you, I've got. I think I've got everything written down somewhere, yeah. and now it's now it's put in uh, probably hundred pages ish is probably what the, the performance mode book. Performance mode yeah. book is going to be very directed at hot people. Yeah, but it's because that's, that's, that's so the needed. only people who pay any attention to performance. But the bigger book, the "Is It Reasonable to Believe," um, is my working title. It's going to be about that's improvement cool. in general. Uh, I'm um, excited. I'm excited. I'm a book person. If you can't tell from, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. So, and that's what I would say. Your, whether you raise your stack or lower your lower, chair. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty short. So this is what I use. I just kind of sit on these if I need to. <laughs> to <laughs> for those folks listening, they're like, what's he talking about? Yeah. But, but yeah, it's, it's um, for me, I found that when I actually sit down and wrote the manuscript itself, it didn't take that long. Um, it probably took me, in, in all honesty, probably about a month of just getting a first draft out. But then the rest of it was just reading and proofreading. Yeah. And you, st- you still miss a ton of stuff. Like I'm, sitting, I'm already sitting here in, in, in a printed copy going, okay, that's like a, you know, but it, it was that. And then trying to do, I went the full self-published route and just went through, you know, that whole exercise, you know, how this stuff is, it's, you kind of go out and you self-teach and you figure it out. So a good majority of that was just doing that stuff and then passing around copies of it and going, say, Hey, read this for me, read this for me. Um, so the whole process was probably about, probably about four months, but I enjoyed it. And I'm sitting here going, Oh, I'm like so glad it's done. <laughs> I mean, both both Sydney and Todd have been on my butt for a while. I think Todd's tired of poking me. 
but the, the thing is, I've, I'm now starting to get requests to publish all of the raw observations in a in a book form or in some kind of cool. um, ebook. Um, so, so I mean, we got 40 or 50 of them, so it wouldn't I'm be. Telling you. Uh, I think that would be cool. I'm just, I'm sitting here. I see it a little. Yeah. I'm just, it, it would be cool. It's, it's a big shift for me. I mean, yeah. I've probably never said this on open mic before, but I've always, I always want to provide value. And my fear is that I won't be providing value. And I, I don't, I'm, I'm talking value in something somebody can start using tomorrow. Right. That's always somewhere not not even in the back of my mind yeah. so i think my fear of publishing these things is that people won't see the value in it. but right. I, I guess i just got to get over it well I'll, i will tell you that's one thing for sure because that's one thing when when i when i wrote this my, my the first kind of passed the manuscript and i read it and i was happy with it and i i have that same kind of bug you know and i'm going I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to release this or not. I don't know. Right. I, I, I just kind of fell into this little trap and it was, it was a trap. It was a little trap of self self doubt there for a little bit with it. And then once I kind of, I was like, okay, I'll pass this around and let me see what some peers think about it. Yeah. And when I, as soon as, and, and as soon as I passed it around, it was print this, <laughs> you know, so it, it, it's just that. I think, I think that um, for me personally, I find that I'm probably more critical on myself with that than anyone else ever could be. Right. That's so what once, I'm told. Right. Same, same, same. And yeah. again, that's a personality tendency element. Yeah, exactly. Especially yeah. for relators yeah. that, that, you know, we get pretty hard on ourselves um, because if, if, if it winds up that it's not relatable to somebody, it's on me. Right. Exactly. But, you know, I appreciate that you, that you jumped off that cliff and did it. I think it's great. Well, and that's what I found with it is I was like, okay, somebody's just like, just, just pull the trigger, just do it. Yeah. I'm like, all right. <laughs> you know, and I've, I've been, I've been fortunate enough um, as with most folks that find themselves in, in, in this weird wonky world of safety or performance or anything or any, we, we all have a mentor at some point. I've been fortunate enough to have some pretty decent mentors that kind of point me in the, they'll, they'll call my BS really quick if it is, yeah. you know, and they'll, they'll shoot me straight, you know? Um, but so, and that's, that's the other piece I wanted to touch on uh, before we, before we get ready to wrap up. I know I've kept you for an hour now, a little over an hour now, is I've, you've been doing these walks and talks, and I think they're awesome. Oh, these man. little videos. I if anybody had even seen one. So, I didn't even know if they were publishing. They're so cool. I, I'm <laughs> no joke. I love it. It's to me, to me, right? And it's when you have somebody that just, it's just an intimate moment, right? You grab the the phone. I'm, I'm assuming you're shooting them on your phone, and yeah. you're just you're just walking and you're having a quick conversation and talk about adding value. Those little snippets. I was oh, watching I, really the, I was watching that. the one where you're talking about walking up the hills on the road, not just the other day. And I'm like, that's yeah. it's just cool. It's relatable. It's raw. I love it. It's just good. And so well, I wanted to, I wanted man, to throw I really those out there because I I do want things that people that may not be my age will still mm -hmm. watch, and 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 are short. It'll keep their attention span. So I'm trying to listen. Right what yeah. people really want yeah. uh, but by the same token what i what i was discovering and i think i said it in my intro was that um i was i, I think a lot you know mm -hmm. I, I get ideas in the shower you know get ideas in the middle of the night and i yep. get ideas yep. when i when i walk or when i, when I exercise yep. Yep. and i would get back and i would think man I'm pretty sure I had a good idea while I was walking. Right. I can't really remember what it was. <laughs> yeah. So I, I said, well, I'm just going to record this and, uh, and and see what what came up with. But then yeah. I, I don't know whether this one's been published or not, but one of the early ones, um, my we have a rule that you're not allowed to tell a story in a workshop unless it's been vetted by the person that it's about. There you go. So if you say, "Oh, my daughter did this," or "My son did this," yeah, you can't do that unless it's vetted. So my wife and I were walking along, and I said, "Hey, can I tell this story on a walk and talk?" She said, "What's a walk and talk?" So I vetted that story, and I said, "You know what? I think probably a walk and talk that people need to hear is about vetting your stories." Because mm -hmm. what happened was when when we were much younger. I told a story in a human performance class 
and that story was bastardized by somebody that then told somebody that told their wife that was in the church group with us and the wife of the third generation person told this story that was not even close to what happened really made my wife and kids look bad i said whoa whoa, whoa. that wasn't what i said said well yeah but that's what everybody's hearing Oh, no. and, and that that created the rule. We have two rules when we certify trainers. Number one, no stories from here. You cannot tell local stories because right. somebody in the room is going to think they know more about that than you do. Absolutely. And number two, you got to get permission from your family if you're going to talk about. It. I like it. Those now that that is some word. That's those are words of wisdom right there. I love it. Spot on. <laughs> and, you know, it's just those things that I was oh, young and so dumb cool. and. Uh, uh, I'm a storyteller, you know. Same, so. yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that's how many of us learn too, right? We have to yeah. go out and learn. I know, I know I for one. It's like I insist. I insist on learning the hard way. Well, there you have it. How was that? I knew you'd like it. I liked it. I love it. I got to have more of it. I know you do too. It was super cool, right? How cool. You know that I'm not good at finding a spot to cut those, so I just kind of cut it wherever I can. That's what I did. So there we go. You'll get part two coming up real soon. So until next time, it's Sam Goodman, the Hop Nerd, signing off. Bye, everybody. Bye. (laughs)